0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM.
1: And if you don't spend any time with God, I don't expect you to do it corporately. Lift up your hands. But if you're not doing it throughout the week, it's harder for you. But if you are doing it throughout the week, it's easier. So this is there is a three elements of worship that, as Christians, we need to look at. There is private worship, intimacy time with God, alone time with God. Then there is family worship, where together with your family you worship God. And then there is corporate worship or public worship, so you can see how if your intimate, intimate time with God, a private time with God, is not done, then corporate worship is effective, right? So if you're not praising God at home, you're not going to be praising God publicly. So that's why I, 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 I um, sometimes when um I talk to praise and worship leaders, and it's like it's so hard for the people to to praise. and They're not praising God. It's like pulling teeth. It's because no one's doing it at home. So if you're doing it at home, I remember one time, um, a young lady, she, she wanted, um, I was a youth pastor and she wanted the services to be more praise and worship oriented. And she's like, we need to worship. and And the thing about it is she wanted the service to be a worship service. And I said, well, if people are worshiping at home, you know, you've been to a service, and you're like, man, I just want more of this praise and worship. Well, sometimes it's not necessarily that God is designed for that church to do that praise and worship that long. It's just that it may be that you need to do spend more time privately praising and worshiping God. So sometimes when you go to a service, you're like, well, I wish we had more praise and worship. I wish we had more flow of the spirit in praise and worship. Maybe it's God's dealing with you about doing More prayer time and praise and worship time at home. Everybody understand what I'm trying to convey? All right, so let's deal with family worship. So what is family worship? Family worship is a time where the family gets together in the presence of God. You must do what you you have to do to spend time with God. Uh, If you are single this morning or a couple that don't have children, uh, these same principles can apply to you. Don't wait until you get children to think about family worship. Okay? Don't think about it. And when you get, you know, oh, I'm not, I don't have children, so it's not applicable. It is. This is going to encourage you to spend time with God, and then you can um, uh, do it when you get a family. The last two weeks we talked about individual worship. Like I said, a few weeks ago, we need to spend time with God alone. Everybody would agree with that. Everybody, you need to spend some time, some type of time alone with God. God will pay you for spending time with him. Mm, that's good news. God will pay you for spending time with him. How, what, what scripture do you have? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He that believes, believe, uh, without faith it's impossible to please him. He that, be, um, must come, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God will pay you if you spend time with him. I mean, you can't beat that. So questions for you today. Are you seeking him today? Are you, are you making him priority? Today, I want to introduce what is called family worship. Family worship is where um, you gather together with your immediate family in the presence of God and you worship him. How many know that God is a family God? He's a generational God. He thinks in generations. He doesn't just think about the individual. All right, so with that in mind, go to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. A familiar scripture, we heard it uh, a few times on um, Father's Day. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we need to train up our children in the way that they should go. Why? Because when they're older, they have that standard to always refer to. When you are spending time in the presence of God as a family, you are training your children in the way that they should go. Amen. Amen. They learn how to read the Bible. They learn how to pray. They learn how to worship from what you do with them at home. The world is trying to evangelize and disciple the children through social media, through television, through smartphones, smart tablets. Don't allow the world to, to indoctrinate your children while you are pursuing God. One of the reasons why some of the saints' children aren't serving God is because they don't spend any time with their children in the presence of God. It's amazing how they that some parents are expecting youth pastors, youth ministers, children's workers to actually evangelize and disciple their children. But how many know the first ministry is to the Lord, and our second ministry is to our spouses, if you're married, and and or to our children. And so we need to evangelize. The best place to fulfill the Great Commission is at home. Amen. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you as fathers, you as mothers need to um, disciple your children at home. Do not leave it up to the church to disciple the the children. So this is the way the church goes. The way the, the home goes is the way the church goes. And the way the church goes is the way the nation goes. So there is a spiritual decline in our nation. It's the result of the church, the spiritual climate of the church, which is the result of the spiritual climate of the home. The home will determine the church and the church will determine the home. I mean, the society, the country, the nation. And so, don't allow the world to evangelize and disciple your children. Now, we should be concerned with their education, their social life, but do not neglect their spiritual life. This could be the difference between heaven and hell for them. Again, some children will grow up without ever attending church because their parents don't take them. How many of you know of people who have families and they don't bring their children to church? that child is learning how not to go to church. We should be concerned about the eternal state of our children. I do not want to go to heaven and not have my children there. That would be the greatest or the worst thing that I could do as a pastor is to win the world, and lose my family. We have to be intentional. I will do everything I can by the grace of God to create an environment, create a culture to make it hard for them to go to hell. And you as parents, you as grandparents, you as single people, you need to think like that. I'm not gonna produce kids and allow the world to take them with them to hell. It's irresponsible. Just like it is irresponsible for not to providing, not to provide financially for your children, not to provide socially for your children. It's irresponsible to not provide spiritually for your children. Are y'all with me? Yes. It's, it's very, I mean, I want this to weigh heavy on your heart. And when you think, and if you're single, you're like, "This doesn't apply to me." It does because one day you're going to be a mother, one day you're going to be a father, one day you will be a grandparent, and so forth. Um, Family worship is a major way of preserving and passing the Christian faith to the next generation. So let's go to Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24, that's in the Old Testament, (laughs) that's under um, right after Deuteronomy. Joshua 24. Joshua chapter 24, let's look at verse 14 and 15, all right, it says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness, how many know we should fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as far as me and my family or my house, we will what? Serve who? The Lord. The Lord. So Joshua said, As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everybody say, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it two more times. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One more time. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here Joshua is telling them not to... Go after the gods of their fathers, not to go after the gods of the Amorites, mm-hmm. but to serve the Lord. Joshua says, "As far as me and my house is concerned, we will serve the Lord." Don't you? That's the spirit of faith. Yeah, amen. amen. Joshua was challenging the people about their idols and about other gods. He boldly made the declaration that he will serve the Lord, him and his household, and the people made the decision as well. So let me give you three reasons why you and I should do family worship daily. Here are three reasons for family worship to be done daily. The first one, I'm gonna give you the, the, the three. Uh, we are serv- excuse me, we are stewards of God's gifts. We are stewards of God's gifts. Number two, your child is placed in your home by sovereign de- design. Your child is placed in your home by sovereign design. Number three, family worship prepares us for public worship. Family worship prepares us for public worship. And if I had a fourth one, it would be the spiritual decline of our nation. The spiritual decline of our nation. So let's start start with the first one. Why should we do family worship? And what is family worship? It's you together with your family, you're worshiping God. Last, <coughs> last two weeks, two weeks we talked about individual worship. Now we're talking about family worship. We are stewards of God's gifts. We are stewards of God's gifts. Go with me to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Family worship. And I'm going to show you how to do it daily. Psalm 127, verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He should not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. All right, let's look at, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. So here we see children are gifts from God to us. Children are gifts to us from the Lord. So if you have children, if you don't have children, even say this. Children are gifts to me from the Lord. Now we're to be faithful parents to our children. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, says, For the for parents to instruct their children in the way that they should go, to provide discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is unbelievable how many parents neglect the instructions from the word with their children. It's unbelievable. People call themselves Christians, and yet they do not make time to disciple their children. Now, I'm not taking away. I'm an educator. I know the importance of education. I know the um, importance of provision. I know the importance of social environment, making sure that the children are are developing socially. But but we have neglected as a church and as a nation the, the spiritual growth of our children. It is important that we make time to pray with our children, to read the Bible with our children. Because guess what? If we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. If we're not evangelizing our children, the world is evangelizing them. If we're not discipling our children, the world is discipling our children. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. let's look at verses 20 and 21 when you got to say amen. amen thank you for the two amens Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 20 and 21 and you took your sons and your daughters whom you had born to me these you sacrificed to them to be devoured were you whoring so so ma- so small a matter? that you slaughter my children and deliver them up as an offering by fire to them. Here Ezekiel is rebuking people, the people of God for offering up their children to idols. Do we offer up our children to idols? I'm talking to myself too. Whether it's the iPad or the smartphones or the tablets or the television or sports or activities, Do we offer up our children on the altar of Babylon? They they were offering their children to idols. How many of us offer our children to idols through this world system? If we don't teach our children to worship God, the world will teach them how to worship idols. Let me say it again. If we don't teach our children to worship God, the world will teach our children to worship idols. They will learn how to worship one way or the other. If you have children and planning on having children in the future, you better learn how to worship God yourself daily, and you better make time to worship God with them. Parenting, the foundation of parenting must start with God. God is the ultimate parent. He is our heavenly father. He is the father of all fathers. He is He is not only limited to the Father, but He treats us even as, 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 as a, a um, He has a the attribute of a mother. And he he nurtures his children, and he makes sure they're fed. I believe again in educating our children and educating ourselves on how to be an effective parent. But we must start with the spiritual. Everybody, say, I must start with the spiritual. We must put first. Don't say this. We must put first things first. The Bible tells us seek first the kingdom of God. <clears throat> if you're too busy to not, if you're too busy to spend time with God then you're too busy. You're not you're, you, you what you're doing doesn't matter if you're not spending time with God. That's a strong statement. But I really mean that. Everything starts with time with God. And again, I'm not talking about the quantity. I'm talking about the quality. 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You got to spend time with God as as a, as a parent, as an individual, as a single person. We must seek first the kingdom of God. We must fulfill the great commission. And it starts with home. Someone trying to seek the mission of God and yet missing the person of God. Oh, I got to, I got to fulfill my call. I've heard parents say, oh, you know, this boy, he's trying to destroy my ministry. I looked at him like he was an unbeliever. You think that your child is an interruption to your life. That's a problem you have spiritual responsibility for that child. You have Boy, financial responsibility for that child. And you think that that child is interrupting your career, your ministry, your profession. What, 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 what is that? I've heard stories of people getting abortion because it was inconvenient for them to have a child at that time or getting abortion because of a title or a career. How, how, isn't that sad? Yes, it is. yes. That we, we get an abortion because we, we feel, well, if it was so inconvenient, then don't, why why did you have sex? <laughs> More right? Right? I mean, well, it wasn't inconvenient when you wanted to get your groove on. I'm sorry, we got children. Right? So it should have been inconvenient. Oh, I can't do this because, you know, um, <laughs> Our children belong to God, and we are the the divinely appointed stewards over these souls that will never die. The souls that we create, procreation, right? One of the reasons, one of the purposes for for sex is what? Procreation, right? Mm -hmm. To bring forth life. Once we bring life forth, guess what happens? It's for life. That spirit will live forever. They're not gonna die. You can go to the children's. If you don't believe it, go to the children's on wall, right? And in the wall, it, it talks about one of the lessons was everlasting. How God is everlasting, and it has a a drawing of of like a beginning, and then it goes on. It is it draws a line forever, an era. We are not going to. We're gonna exist somewhere forever. So once we bring a child into this world, that child is gonna live forever. Heaven or hell. Now, if you aborted a kid or you know someone, there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. There is grace. But I want to tell you, there is a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility for these children. Not just just the financial provision, not just the the being there, but we got to present God to them every day of their lives. Amen. 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 My mom had me when she was 17 years old. I was inconvenient for her. I really was. I broke her pivot bone when I came into the world. I'm like, crack. <laughs> I did, I broke it. <laughs> she had to go back to the hospital after she got home because she was in so much pain. Ask her. she's right next door teaching the children. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not, it's not convenience to have kids, but I'm telling you, I thank God that she did not abort me and I thank God that she taught me about Jesus shortly after she had me, she got born again, yes. got filled with the Spirit. But let me tell you what they did in, in her church, her Baptist church when whom she wasn't saved at the time. They made her get up in front of everybody and apologize for getting pregnant. Yeah, they were wilding, yeah. So I'm in the womb, and I'm already feeling rejection. <laughs> I apologize. Where, where the guy was? I mean, I gave you history after history after history of, of just dysfunction and, and people not doing right. Even in my family, my grandfather was a Rolling Stone, a deacon in the church. Oh, let me leave that alone. All right. Yeah. <coughs> um, but we should, we will be held accountable or responsible for what we do with our children that he has placed under our care. We should use every means and every opportunity, every opportunity to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should pray. Start out by praying for your child every day. There was an older person who was on the bed uh, on the deathbed, and they told their child, they said, every day that you from the day you were born to the day this day, I've prayed for you. Would that be your testimony to your child? That every day I prayed for you. Even when you were walling out, I was praying for you. I was believing God for protection and so forth. Amen. All right, let's go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. We're talking about family worship. Family worship. I, I want you to sense the, 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 the urgency of we don't have a lot of time with these kids. Once they're born, I mean, they it, time just grows. I mean, they, before you know they'll be grown. So we have a short amount of time, 18 years of preaching and living the gospel before them. 18 years. <laughs> you want to argue 16, but I, I'm saying 18. <laughs> 18 years, right? So so even when they're babies, they need to grow up with, oh, God is in this house. Uh, Psalm 78, verse 1 through 8, it says this, Give ear, oh my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sins from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from what? Their children. Don't hide the gospel from your child. Don't think that they're too young to be saved. Don't think that they're too young to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with the Spirit at six years old. And Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight talks about not re- not withholding re- the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues from your children. It says, "We will not hide them from their children, but tell to but, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel." which he commanded our fathers to do what <laughs> to teach their children that the next generation may know them and the children yet unborn arise and tell them to you to their children so that they shall set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and keep his commandments. They should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and a rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So here, The psalmist is telling them that God is wanting us to teach our children. And there's a generation of the unborn that's coming forth. There is a generation of the unborn. Um, It is our responsibility to teach our children the faith. You yourself must know the faith. You yourself must know for yourself and then teach your children. When you neglect the assembly of the saints, you're teaching your children to do the same. Don't allow activities. This is a big one. I've said this several times. Don't allow activities on Sundays to cause you to forsake the corporate worship of God. I'm not condemning you if you have had occasion time here and there where you couldn't make it, but you should be consistent with your time corporately with God. Listen to this. This is a professor. His name is Professor Neil Postman. He says this. Children are living messages that we sent to a time that we will never see. Let me say it again. Children are living messages that we send to a time we will not see. Children are living messages that we send to a time we will never see. We are preparing the message of the faith for the unborn. What you do with your children will affect their children, will affect their children, Will affect their children. Children, are you are you with me? Yes. Now, there's what's called the generational curses. Yes. But guess what? There's also the generational blessings. Yes. Amen. Yes. And I'm telling you, you want to set up a legacy for your yes. children's children. Yes, do fi- fi- provide yes. for them financially, but don't don't just grind naturally. Grind spiritually. Yes. Amen. Yes. So to the spirit. So to that. Future generation, generations of Christians, you know, um, in, in the Middle East, they're having um, children, seven and eight of them, just for the sake of passing their religion on. Whereas in America, we are having less and less children. And because we are so consumed with our lives, what if it cost us to live in a small house so that we can have some children to pass the faith on. Come on. We will sacrifice for a career. But what about sacrificing for the sake? Let me produce. I'm not telling y'all to go out and have a lot of kids and then you come to the church like, oh, you got to help me. You need a food pantry now, today. Get Darren on the phone so we can start the food pantry tomorrow so that, because I need, Pastor said, be fruitful and multiply. (laughs) I'm not telling you to do that. (laughs) What I'm saying to you that one of the reasons why God brings a couple together is so they can be fruitful and multiply. And so we need to think in generations. Amen. 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 And you, you gotta think, say, hey, okay, I'm having these kids, whether it's one or whether it's eight, I'm having these kids for the sake of passing the faith on. Yes, I want to set them up. I want to have I want them to have my name. You know, I was listening to recently in light of Joe Jackson passing on uh, 2300 Jackson Street, and I was thinking about, and I was looking at the pictures, and, and, and th- that's the generations of things that they're passing on. Mm-hmm. How much more is it important that we pass on spiritual things? Amen. Amen. Go to Psalm 22, Psalm 22, verse 30. Psalm 22, verse 30. Psalm 22, verse 30 says this. Posterity shall serve him, and it shall be told to the Lord to the co- coming generation that he shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Listen, there is a generation that is yet unborn. There is a generation. See, a lot of times people, they focus on the millennials, right? Oh, it's about them millenn- And some churches are building their whole ministries on the millennials. But guess what? There's a generation out of the millennials that we need to be concerned about. We need to think about the generation between the age, I believe, is 4 and 18. We need to think about that generation. Just no, you know, sometimes people focus, I mean, I mean back in the day, it was generation X, generation Y, and it's just we go through these fad, fades, fads, uh, we just kind of focus on generation. But how many know that God is a, a generational God? He thinks about generations. I'm, you don't believe me. Check this out. I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of who? Jacob, I'm the God of Isaac. Isaac, amen. You see those three generations, right? He's concerned about the other generations. So the reason he give, he'll he bless you with children is so that you can pass the faith on, so they can pass the faith on, so they can pass the faith on. So so sometimes the generational curses are not really generational curses, it's just generational behavior. <laughs> You know, well, my, my generation is a generation of uh, poverty. Why? Because they didn't learn how to manage money. So therefore, I learned what they learned. I learned how not to manage money. And so therefore, I passed it on. Well, how much more spiritually? I learned to spend time with God. I learned to come to church every Sunday. So therefore, it is installed inside of them. I got my son, my six-year-old son, talking about the Lord's Day. I said, the Lord's Day, it's the Lord's Day. Sunday is the Lord's Day. You no no. You're not looking at Pokemon. No no. You look at VeggieTales maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you need to. This is the Lord. Let's respect the Lord's day. So first thing he wants to do when he wakes up, he wants to either play the phone, play with the phone, or look at the television. And I said no 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 no. I put some gospel music on. I do some wake, some quad jumpy key kind of stuff. Put that on, blast it throughout the house. We're gonna be mindful of the Lord's day. And if you're not eating with your family on a daily basis, Make it a habit to sit down and eat with them. Amen. Amen. So that, you know what I'm saying? Everybody eating in front of the TV. I'm no, bit guilty no, of that. It not. feels good to eat in front of the TV. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's nothing like sit around and talk about my dad who started this church, the founder of this church. He, you know, he had family time. I wanted to see him sit in front of the TV. He said, no, and we, he'll go around, we eating. And, and, and he talked about, talk, tell me about your day. And he'll talk about the Lord and so forth. And then after, after dinner, you know, me and, it was my sister and I, we we, we actually washed the dishes together, cleaned up the kitchen, and then my brother, my two brothers, they, they washed the dishes on the other times. So we had two days, I, I love working with my sister, uh, her name is Seneca, by the way. And um, and I, I absolutely love, I mean, we just we like, yo, we got this thing down to the to, to signs. And then my, my, my two other brothers, Little John and Daniel, they used to, they take forever. And they have hardly washed the dishes. And so, you know, we we couldn't use the dishwasher because, you know, it costs money because of electricity. I'm like, what? This doesn't make sense. But it costs money with the water. But anyway, um, I said, I'll just say, you want to make time for your family together because we're not going to have them forever. It's just only a short amount of time. And then after dinner, we would have Bible study. And dad would sit there and we would sit around. We would pray. We would sing. And then we would study the Bible. And his Bible studies were long. I'm like, uh Destiny, you better be glad. Cause mine was like 15 minutes. His was like an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm like, you know, and then and then the, the boys, the, the little boys, the, my two little brothers, they would get upset because they wanted to play the Nintendo. Super Mario, oh, oh man, man. And then afterwards they'd be falling asleep. And then afterwards, they would go try to play Nintendo. And she's like, no, no, you didn't spend time. You wasn't up when the Lord was speaking to you. You ain't gonna be up with Super Mario. I'm sorry. Uh, <coughs> So there is an unborn generation that needs to know Jesus like this generation. The only way we can make sure that they will know him if we pass the faith to our generation. God wants us to advance his kingdom from generation to generation, primarily through godly families. um, Go to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. I'm almost finished. Malachi chapter 2. That's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 2, let's look at verse 15. Read that together, let's read that together. Did he, okay, together, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? What was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So, guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So, the primary reason that God brings a husband and wife together is to produce godly children, godly offspring. God is after your child, God is after your children. Don't think you're so special. Oh, you know, you may be like, God got a call on my life. If you don't do it, he'll get your child. If he, your child doesn't do it, he'll get your grandchild. He's after your children. Amen? That's what the one God is seeking after. The, the, the mandate for marriage was be fruitful and multiple. Now, don't y'all go make kids tonight. <laughs> like, yo, we're going to make some kids just because the pastor said. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm here to tell you that he's after. Now I'm not saying there's other elements of marriage. Don't get me wrong. There's there's the romantic side of it. I don't want to downplay that. But what I'm saying is the bigger picture is God is after your child. He wants godly children. He wants preserve. He wants to preserve this gospel to the unborn generation. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all are products of godly parents? Amen. How many of y'all got uh, products? Of godly grandparents, everybody raise your hand. Okay, so somebody, so maybe your parents they skipped over their prayer. How many y'all products of godly great grandparents? (laughs) All right, keep going back. Right, all right, just products of Adam and Eve. All right, all right. So we see here, the one God is seeking godly offspring. Okay, my second point is this: Why should you do family worship? Your child is placed in your home by sovereign design. Whether you're a single parent or whether you're married, God sovereignly chose your child to be born to you. Man, isn't that like different? Like, whoa. You know, if I'm sure we would have chose our child the way we wanted to. I want that child to look like this. I want him to have this kind of hair. I want him to act like this. The perfect child. You know, maybe the funny child. Like, uh, um, Steve Harvey, so they go on a Steve Harvey show, or maybe um, you know a smart child they, they go to Harvard at sixteen or, or something like that. We, you know, we. But but how many know that's not the way God designed it? God designed your child to be your child. So whether they got nappy hair or whether they got beautiful hair or they got dark eyes or blue eyes, it doesn't matter. God designed your child to be your child. That's your child. <laughs> And sometimes you see yourself in your child, right? Man, I did that. But anyway, God placed your child in your home. God bless, God's blessing is still on your home, even if one spouse is an unbeliever. Our children, check this out. Our children don't catch salvation through the bloodline, but God places your children in your home. Therefore, parents have a good reasons to believe God, God. God's intention was to save them. The reason you're saved is because God's grace, God placed your children in your life so that he can save your children. So one of the reasons why God allowed you to be have one child, two children, five children, is because he wanted your children to be saved. Purposely. Not saying that he doesn't want all children to be saved But purposely, he he allowed that child to be born in a Christian family. Um, It it isn't enough just to acknowledge that God's sovereign orchestration in our homes. We must use every God-ordained means to reach our little ones by seeking in a responsible way to initiate and consistently cultivate the daily worship of God with our families. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse one, it says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. How else is a child going to know his creator in his youth apart from his parents' daily worship of God? Daily bringing Christ near to him. God desires for parents to use every available means to reach their children while they're young, when they are tender and most naturally influenced by their parents. Do not rely on anyone else preaching or anyone else um, training your children in the way that they should go. You are called and you are anointed to do so. So many parents want, want to give their children choices, especially in regards to their religion. What a tragedy. I've heard Christians say, I, just, I give my child a choice whether or not they can come to ch- church. I give my child a choice whether or not they, t- they can choose Jesus or Allah. It is irresponsible to allow a child or their sports or activities to determine their Sunday worship and their daily worship of God. I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Do not allow the activities on Sunday morning to rob your children of corporate worship. As they grow, and as you do, there's ballet, and there's, there's all kinds of stuff, uh, sports, Do not allow the gods that are ruling those activities to to be worshiped by your children. All right, let's go to the next one. The last one is family worship prepares us for public worship or corporate worship. Family worship prepares us for corporate or public worship. Family worship does not stand on its own. Do not substitute family worship for public worship. So don't say, okay, we have Bible study so we don't have to go to church. We pray at home, so we don't have to pray in church. Well, let's give ourselves a tithe and an offering. <laughs> you know, you'll be surprised how many people think like that. We must understand that it is one essential part of a threefold approach to worshiping God. You got private worship, family worship, and then public or corporate worship. We must not be Sunday morning Christians only. We must live out our faith in front of our children daily. They should never hear us. Listen to this: they, Your children should never here you use profanity. They should never see you abuse your spouse. They should never see you doing something that caused them to depart from the faith. They should not ever see you cheating on your spouse. If they do, repent before God and repent to them. Since the family has always been worshiping God, okay, this is if you do family worship every day, Since the family has already been worshiping God the previous six days in both private and family worship, public worship will become a natural thing. It'll become an overflow. Um, Children in a home like this will know that worship is not just something you turn on and turn off. Worship will be understood by them as being a part of your life. The Lord's Day will be understood as being holy they will understand the worship of God is serious. Statistics is that only 11% of professing Christians actually read their Bibles. 11% of Christians in this country only read their Bibles. I would say that the percentage is lower for those who have worship, family worship daily. As you raise your children to know God, don't forget they will be parents one day. They also raise your children and your, which is your grandchildren, who in turn raise your great-grandchildren. Here's the practicality: How do you establish family worship in your home? It, it begins with a conviction and moves into an action. It must be a part of your family culture, your daily spiritual responsibility. If you're a single parent, you are responsible of leading your family in family worship. If there, when my mom was a single mom, every day she would pray with us. She she would read the Bible. She plead the blood of Jesus and lay hands on us. I got tired of her laying hands on me. I wanted to hit her. I said, "Don't lay hands on me. Why you got lay hands?" I was embarrassed as I got older. In the name of Jesus, I was like, "Okay, why do you got to do this in front of my friends and drop drop me off in front of the school? Why can't you just pray privately?" You know, I was I was embarrassed, but I thank God for it. Amen, amen. amen. Um. If there's a one saved spouse and the other isn't saved, the saved spouse should lead in family worship. If the father and mother are both saved, the man should lead in family worship, but all should participate. Family worship can take place at home or in the park. Um, timing should be determined by your schedule. I know your schedules may be off. Sometimes you want to do it in the morning if, you, if your schedule permits, or sometimes in the afternoon. But it should be consistent. So there, here are three elements of family worship. Here we go. The first one is worship and song. So there should be some type of singing. We should lead our family in singing to the Lord. You can choose a song whether from Sunday's worship set. Uh, if more families in, in, in the praises, if more families um, were to sing praises to God in their homes, just think about how powerful our public worship will be if we're singing at home together with our family. Um, you might want to even um, sing a hymn with your child or write your own song. So let me give you an example of what I did. Is I, I was with Destin and my wife and Declan and we were doing family worship and uh, I wanted to sing Here I Am to worship. Of course, I didn't know the lyrics. So I had my smartphone and I looked it up and, um, and, and, and Destin's like, Daddy, don't sing, don't sing. God doesn't want to hear you sing. <laughs> True story. No, God says it's horrible. I said, no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he says make a joyful noise. So I had my little phone, and I said, um, here I am to worship. and begin to sing, and he knew the lyrics better than I did, but I had to cheat, and I sung that, and we sung it twice. And they, but he wanted to sing Pokemon. Do, no, 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 you know, that Pokemon thing. I was like, no, 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 we're, no, we're not singing that to the Lord. <laughs> we're going to sing praise songs. Um, you may want to do a song from um, praise and worship on Sundays, you know, a song that you may know. Sometimes I, I hear Destin singing some of the songs that we sing, and he does it unconsciously. He's just singing. And so whatever you expose your child to, that's what they'll, they'll be inside of them. And so you want to do some type of singing. Even if you're not a singing singer, sing. Make yourself sing. Make that part of, So I do like 15 minutes. So you may want to do 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. The second part is to worship the Lord with scriptures. So you can either read the entire Bible one chapter at a time. Um, the goal is to help the members of our family to develop a love for God's word. Stry, strive never to be bored um, ca- cause your child to be bored with the Bible because of your delivery. So you may want to be, um, think about, um, be creative, paint pictures of the main points, ask them plenty of questions, labor to make each teaching time a lesson for them to remember. So what I'm doing, I'm just telling you what I do, I'm doing, I do not necessarily want to start in Genesis, so I started in the Psalms. So I'm taking one Psalm, Except for when we get to 119, we're going to break that up over a period of five, six, 18 days or something. Because <laughs> that's the longest, that's long. Right? I mean, you'll be there all day. But um, we're just doing one psalm a day. <coughs> so we read the psalm, and then I give out an uh, application of that psalm. And then after we finish the psalms, then we're going to probably do Proverbs because it's easier. And then, uh, then we probably do Genesis or Matthew or something like that. So you want to pick out something... And then there's children's Bible, so no, I I'm Iod I do, I do, and so I, I do the Psalms or the Bi- the Bible itself. And then I'll do a children's Bible, and I'll read it from the child children's Bible. And then there's a um, systematic theological book for children that I do, and it was like, and it's like little lessons like, who is God? Or, God is you know one God and three persons, and so it, it's it's kind of catechisms where you ask questions. And so you're trying to help to get the faith in them. And I do, uh, Tim Keller has uh, his church put together new catechisms for young people, for children, and it's like questions and answering about the faith. And so I just, I do that to help them, and repetition is good. Children learn through repetition. So you ask them over and over. And then we spend time, then the third part of the element of family worship is to worship by prayer. Spend time praying for the, I spend time praying for the President, the, um, then also I pray for other pastors, then I pray for their grandparents, friends, cousins, pray the Lord's prayer, pray for the nation, and then I spend some time praying in tongues, so you can have a mixture of however will work best for your child or your children. And so you should have singing, scripture and prayer. And so, usually, I will lead the teaching, the reading of the scripture, and the lesson. Lesson, and then my wife um, sometimes will lead with the worship, uh, and then sometimes she may lead with the Bible, the reading of the scripture, and the teaching, and I'll lead with the worship. <laughs> so we're just so you got to create some type of family worship, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and you may just do a little bit every single day. I haven't got to the point where I'm totally satisfied with it. But I know that this is part of my calling as a parent, family worship. Um, also, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm not at this place. I do feel a conviction with It, it is somehow making the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, the Lord's Day a, a just a day of, of, of worship to God. So you might say, well, the Lord has, he owns all the days. You're absolutely right. But there's one day that belongs to him, which is Sundays. Just like the tithe, right? We say, well, all my money belongs to God. Really? Does it? No, the 10% belongs to God. That's his, and then everything else is yours, and then he tells you to give an offering on top of that. And so just like that, the Lord's Day, there's one day that belongs to the Lord. I'm trying to get to a place, I don't know, in the next year or so, I, I pray that I'll come back and give you this testimony, where on Sundays we don't do anything outside of fellowship with the saints Everything's gonna be God-oriented, God focused. You know, sometimes Sundays, I like to watch TV. There's power coming on and different stuff. No. Well, at least we think it is, but after 50 Cent did what he did, it might not be power. But anyway, um, so we we so we might just have to, to say, okay, let's not look at television on Sundays. And if we do, it'll be something that's gonna be spiritual. What if we did that? What if we took the day and said we're going to rest and we're going to be, have family time, maybe have games, family-oriented, talk about the Word, talk about the sermon, talk about what they learned in the children's church? What if, what if we set ourselves up, our, ourselves and our children, we'll be ready for the week? I'm not saying to do this because I haven't done it yet. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to share with your people concerning family worship. You are a family God and you deserve worship from our families. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732 324 2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also,